You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Timeform, the trusted source of racing data and analysis, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Racing App, in partnership with FitzDares. Good morning, welcome to the show. Tuesday, February the 13th. Cool Grey here in TW11. Later in this episode, you'll be hearing from Willie Mullins and Shark Hanlon as they entertained members of the media in Ireland yesterday. You'll also be hearing from the man who bred Shishkin, the inimitable Clive Bennett, and a surprise guest to the show as well, who I wasn't expecting when I called Clive. Very much looking forward to that. And when you listen to that, you will realise why Shishkin is the horse that he is. It is all in the breeding. But first, uh, a story that I think piqued everybody's interest if they chanced upon it last evening. All right, so members of the the racing media were uh, issued with a a very short statement from the British Horse Racing Authority on Monday afternoon, which read as follows. Dear members of the media, following today's hearing before the independent disciplinary panel, Curtis Wilson Ruddock has been found not in breach of Rule K58. Written reasons will follow in due course. Now, remiss of me not to know exactly who Curtis Wilson Ruddock is. He is an apprentice rider with Kevin Ryan. I then subsequently found out that the BHA had pursued a case against Curtis Wilson Ruddock for failing to provide a urine sample in timely fashion when he was riding at Beverly Racecourse. That, however, is only the very, very nub of this story, which begs quite a few questions as to why this case was pursued from the outset. Now, Paul Struthers, as you will well know, is back in situ as Chief Executive of the Professional Jockeys Association. And I know you take all these cases seriously and sometimes quite personally, Paul, but this is an unusual one and probably one that uh, I would imagine you are keen to, to highlight. What's happened here? So, in essence... Nick, Curtis has turned up at the races, young and experienced apprentice. He's been selected for urine sampling, probably one of half a dozen, a dozen or so jockeys, and has his ride. His family are there to watch him. It's his 10th ride or in that region. And he departs the race course having forgotten to provide his sample. He then receives a call from the stewards. He offers to return to the races, but is un able to return within the allotted 30 minutes that the rules state you must return and provide after the last race okay so so now, at this at this point everybody listening who's not been following this case goes yeah yeah pull the other one another jockey who's says he's forgotten to give a urine sample the bha have got to come down hard on this it doesn't quite end there though does it no, no it doesn't because curtis is diagnosed with adhd now, ADHD is a recognised disability, and the BHA were aware he had ADHD because he disclosed it when he made his licence application. Now, the rules, uh, if you fail to provide a sample, it's viewed worse than actually testing positive. So you're looking at a penalty at the upper end of, of the six to 12 month range. Now, our case focused on the fact that because ADHD is a disability, the Disabilities Act, and also the BHA's own code of conduct that we all have to abide by in the sport, meant that they should have put in place reasonable measures to assist him to ensure 
that he could abide by the rules of racing. And that was the nub of our case. It had been disclosed to the BHA many months ago that that was our case, yet they chose to pursue this anyway and say that our arguments were wrong and that it didn't matter their lack of action. And whilst we don't at this stage know the exact reasons why Curtis was found not in breach today, the fact that the BHA hadn't taken those steps and the fact that he had ADHD and it was recognised that that is a disability is almost certainly why he was found Uh, not in breach. There's another interesting um, subplot to this as well, which involves uh, the BHA's application when this happened to have his licence suspended straight away. And that application was refused, as you hinted at there, by uh, Sarah Crowther Casey, who's quite a familiar figure in, in these disciplinary cases. Uh, So then that begs another question, doesn't it? It does. So with any failed test or failure to provide a sample, the BHA would apply for an interim suspension. It's very common. Now, in this case, and it's the first one I recall, the judicial panel did not grant that application. And they didn't grant it because on a review of all the facts, including that Curtis had offered to return to the race course immediately and had provided a sample, um, that sample subsequently proving negative for all substances, that in the judicial panel's view, the risk was so low that an interim suspension was not warranted. The BHA interim suspended him anyway, regardless of that judgment, which is extraordinary. And I'm sure they will defend saying, oh, our job is to protect other jockeys. And this isn't about not protecting other jockeys. This is about protecting jockeys. Because once once the rules and the procedures cease to apply, then we're in really grave territory. So, look, it's a, I'm delighted today for... Curtis and his family, they should never have been in this situation. He should never have faced charges and specifically the case as it was put and the aggressive way it was put and, and, and fought by the BHA was wholly inappropriate and deeply regrettable. I'm also really pleased for Dale Gibson because this all happened when I was not at the PJA and Dale really worked hard for Curtis. The PJA um, paid additional funds to fund an expert witness that in otherwise Curtis would not have been able to afford. So I'm, I'm delighted for Dale as well because, you know, you stick your head above the parapet and put your neck on the line in cases like these sometimes and um, it's justification for the decision of Dale to do that and, and for the PJA board to approve the additional funding. That was Paul Struthers, the chief executive of the PJA. A former chief executive of the PJA, he's back in situ, and you know it from uh, a performance such as that, where he's very passionately defending one of his uh, jockeys. But this is a this is a really unusual, and if if the way that Paul presents it is absolutely to the letter, Dave, quite worrying. Yeah, it is indeed. Um, it, it's it's a case this where I think it would be instructive and i'm in no way uh, doubting uh, the way that um paul struthers has reported this uh, to be true but i think it would be extremely instructive to to hear both sides of uh, the argument when it comes to this case because there, there are according to paul struthers version of events i think a couple of extremely worrying aspects to this case um 
the the first is that just simply that it, it seems to have been pursued with a, a a very worrying lack of empathy and a lack of sympathy uh, towards an H uh, an ADHD sufferer on the part of the British Horse Racing Authority. Um, we'll probably never know who the driving force was uh, when it comes to this case, but it's. It's been a complaint of mine uh, over the last few years that the the BHA are, are apt to um, uh, to to show themselves in a a very positive light when it comes to um, things like this. And if we believe what Paul Struthers has said, and we've no reason to disbelieve it at this stage, then uh, this is very worrying. Uh, the, the the person who did pursue uh, this case seems at odds with many aspects of BHA policy. But um, there's probably a, a, a more worrying aspect to this. And again, um, as re reported by Paul Struthers, the, the fact that the, um, the BHA applied for an interim suspension uh, to Curtis Wilson Ruddock's licence, this was refused by the judicial panel and they suspended him anyway um in in the wider world at the moment we're talking not only domestically but internationally about uh, governments who um pursue their own policy and they ignore what the the lawmakers and the law appliers tell them i think most of us would uh agree whatever our political persuasion that this is a dangerous avenue to go down and it seems to be an avenue that the BHA have gone down here um the, the quote that I, I thought was very interesting from Paul Struthers once the rules and procedures cease to apply we're in really grave territory well I find it very very hard to disagree with that and just finally nick on this as, as you said this is this, this is um paul struthers mark ii isn't it we, we've i think we we've remarked over the last couple of years that the 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 professional jockeys association have lacked a bit of a public voice uh they've lacked a, a profile i think and whilst paul struthers quite properly uh gave credit to to dale gibson and his role in this case, um, getting uh, the PJA to fund an expert witness in it, and also the fact that that he pursued this case pretty doggedly by the sound of things. Um, whilst that praise was due to Dale Gibson, we are with Struthers where we used to be, uh, a, a, an eloquent, punchy advocate uh, for the jockeys it's almost like he's never been away um and i imagine that uh, listening to him talking to you just then there'll be many jockeys who are extremely glad that he is back right onwards willie mullins entertained various members of the media yesterday at his home and stables in Clasutton in ireland and he talked about all sorts of horses and if i were to play you at all we'd be here all day but just a, a little taster here about the two big ones, State Man, and first of all, Galapin Deschamps. Um, you know, Galapin Deschamps has come out of his race very well, very happy. Uh, it's going to be a tip-top gold cup, I think. Um, you know, we're in great form. Uh, I've also got Monkfish in the gold cup. He's in the 
what do we call it now? Is, is it back to the stairs hurl again? <laughs> yeah. And um, he's in the Gold Cup. And I'm thinking if if the weather is good, if, if sorry, if, if enough rain comes and if the ground is nice, I'm you know I ser we seriously have to consider Monkfish for the Gold Cup. He's he's got the class, and um, I was happy he came back in good order in Gorn, albeit over hurdles. Um, at the moment, I'd say I'm going to prepare him for the for the Gold Cup. And State Man, I, he's going for the champion hurdle, and um, I think he's in great order. I, I it's. I didn't talk to any of the time men about his time in Leopardstown the last day. He's coming out here now in a minute, we, <coughs> but um, because he's on an easy, I'm just lunging him this week. Uh, he, he always lunges for a week after his run, and um, I, I thought his performance at Christmas was huge against Perry Pass, who was much more competitive at Christmas. Uh, than he was the other day, so I thought that performance was huge. Now, who, who are the time people around here? Has anyone, has anyone been listening to any of the time people? Did they say that race was better than Christmas? I thought the Christmas race was better. Did you? Two suggestions that you think he maybe wasn't completely at his best behind Constitution Hill last year. Would you agree with that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll find out this year. Um, you know, it's. We're a year, we're going to be, we have a lot more experience with him now and uh, he's going to be really uh, race fit. However, Nicky Henderson does have a habit of getting his horse really right on the day, you know, when people think they haven't been raced enough or they haven't been, you know, Nicky, Nicky gets everything right for Chatham, so we know there's going to be a but we hope there's going to be a hell of a race. Nicky might think so or, or the Constitution Hill fans mightn't think so, but um, yeah, I think we're... We're stronger this year. Might you be more? Though I don't know if we're better, but we're, we're stronger. Might you be more kind of positive tactically? I will probably leave all that to Paul. Uh, Paul will. I'll chat to Paul before the race, but at the moment we're, we're just happy to have the horse in as good an order as he is and hopefully get him there in that order. That's, that's so that was Willie Mullins and him talking to the Jockey Club yesterday about the, the big two, Galapande Shaw and state man so that's that's pretty clear we know where they're going we know what he thinks one's a heavy favorite the other one he thinks can challenge constitution hill and we know that state man's in cracking form this year let's talk about some of the more granular detail of the mullins cheltenham gang dave and what what might have piqued your interest along the way the the the, the weatherby's champion bumper willie mullins has won it 12 times he's got shortish Horses, the likes of Jasmine DeVoe and Maureen, of course, who's out of a, a half-sister to uh, Clissart and Great Faheen. But it seemed to be today that you ought to know who's a 14-to-1 shot uh, for the Weatherby's champion bumper is the horse who's uppermost in Willie Mullins' mind. Remember, this horse was beaten four and a quarter lengths behind Jeroboam Machin, Jeroboam Machin. Uh, anyway, the, the winner trained by Emmett Mullins at the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, you ought to know was giving the winner three pounds, but I think most of us uh, would agree that wouldn't have made any difference to the result were they competing at levels. But Willie Mullins said of you ought to know he's going to run some race in the bumper at Cheltenham. So there seems to be a bit more confidence behind him perhaps than 
uh, the two horses ahead of him in the betting. Um, it, it looks, doesn't it, as though factor file is probably going to go uh, for the Brown advisory. Of course, he's at the head of the market for both uh, the, the three-miler and the turners over two and a half miles. We don't seem to be any nearer, I don't think, the uh, a target for Ballyburn, who's at the head of the, the betting for both the Supreme Novices and the Bearing Bingham. Uh, Pedigree-wise, pedigree you'd be thinking Bearing Bingham, and looking at his race record, you'd be thinking Supreme, said Mullins. It, it doesn't seem, though, that if Ballyburn does go for the two-miler, uh, the curtain raiser to the 2024 Cheltenham Festival, that mystical power will move. You'd have to think Supreme Novices, um, Mullin said about the son of Annie Power and Galileo. Elsewhere, you and I have talked for a few days now about the, um, the, the likely size of the field for the champion hurdle. Well, it looks like echoes in rain. If there's a small field, it looks as though she's going to throw her hats into the ring uh, for the champion hurdle. And just one more, um, a horse that is a little bit of a dark one in insofar as William Mullins trains dark horses these days. Uh, Sam Majeste, uh, formerly trained in France, has had a couple of runs for Willie Mullins. He's around a 10 to 1 shot for the Martin Pipe and the Coral Cup. Um, there seemed to be, by more than one account, a bit of a glint in the trainer's eye when he was talking about uh, this horse. Was having his second start for Mullins. He was a winner at Auteuil when trained in France. Then he beat Noble Yates on his second start for uh, his current stable. That was over two and a half miles at Limerick in December. Uh, Noble Yates, of course, has come out subsequently and won the Cleve Hurdle at Cheltenham. The handicaps for the Cheltenham Festival are published in a fortnight's time on the 27th of February. And I should think quite a few people will be looking out for Sam Majeste. As I say, he's a 10 to 1 shot for the Martin Pipe and the Coral Cup. And it seems there's a bit of a, uh, a, a glint in Mullins' eye when he discusses that one. Um, I I was told that I'd get much better audio from Shark Hanlon if I just rang him in the pub in the evening. So that's exactly what I did. I put a call into the Lord Bagnall pub in the evening and thought, well, I'll get more sense out of him there than the journos managed to in the afternoon. So, Shark, you can tell me about Hewick and how he's getting on ahead of the Gold Cup. Hewick is great. Not a bother on him. All, all, all your crew were there today and he, he lapped it up, so he did. But listen, he's in great form. He's going off to do a bit of work now on Wednesday. And um, please God, we want trying ground. That's all we want. If we can get keep getting ground, trying ground be a big help. Uh, uh, Kempton on on Boxing Day, how 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 dry was the ground for him? It was yielding to soft. You don't do yielding to soft in Ireland or in England, but in Ireland we call it yielding to soft. He'd be a lot better on better ground. And when you when you look back to his run in the Gold Cup last year, was that him just about reaching the end of his tether when he came down, or what do you think he had left to give? I tell you, he was only getting into the race. I think at that stage, uh, you see him. He's after running in Sandown. I remember Rachel Rackmore got off him, and she said, "Shark, turn in Sandown." I thought he was beaten, and within six or seven strides, he came back on the bridle, and it was all over. And in Kempton, you saw yourself, all he does is stay. Um, they went way too hard in Kempton. Um, like, um, Frodo went off and Dahl followed him. And um, we just let Poochin away, Poochin away. And all his good work was at the end. But, like, 
people say that oh they didn't go hard in Kempton he made the run in the Gold Cup he made the run in the Galway Plate and uh, they tried to say then that they didn't go hard in Kempton um, I, I, I think that's way out anyway but um, I think when he fell last year Gavin or he um, Jordan Gainford came back in and he said to me he said he was very disappointed because he said he was after coming back on, on the bridle again he comes off the bridle in every race and comes back on it so I'm just hoping that the ground will be good this year like last year I think was the first time in 10 years that there was soft in the ground in Cheltenham on the Friday and um, I'm just hoping this year that when I get to the ground report on Friday morning it'll be good ground I nearly didn't run him last year because of the ground and uh, he still ran a cracker so I just hope I think the only way I have it beaten Willie's horse is on good ground mm. I, I wouldn't beat him on soft ground but um, I, if the ground came good I guarantee you um, he'd we, show a good account Hey listen Charles there have been, a, there've been a few soft ground gold cups Native River and Coney Gree and a few others but listen I, I take your point you want the good you want the ground to be good um, you want the horse yeah. to be in good form and you need somebody who's going to ride him as well who's going to ride him? At the minute, I can't say. Jordan Gainford hasn't come back yet. So uh, I was talking to Gavin t- t- last night and he's waiting for the call. So um, I- I'll make my mind up probably at the end of this week. Um, we'll have to talk to Jordan and see. Like, it's just Jordan's ride and if he's back, he'll, he'll probably ride him. If not, um, he just wants to be fitting well. I don't think Jordan had let his down. He wouldn't ride him far. He thought he was fit to ride him. But um, I know Gavin is there waiting for the call. So um, any of the two men will do me. Any of the two men will definitely do me. Well, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the podcast Clive Bennett, the man who has been breeding racehorses for a number of years. I'm not sure he'll care to tell me how many, but has now produced the goods <laughs> with with Shishkin. Clive, your story with horse racing goes back an awful long way. Maybe, maybe tell us, maybe tell us how long and where it all started. Oh dear, it must be forty years, and it started because I love point to pointing. And my wife, my then wife and I used to buy really cheap horses out of basket sales and pray that it got round. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's how we started. And, and so how did you get from there to Shishkin? What are the, what are the six degrees of separation, if you like? <laughs> oh, dear. Just years of trying and trying and trying and improving and improving. We've got one mare here now that's a, a fourth-generation homebred, and she won at Cheltenham. So uh, we we know a little bit about point-to-pointing, and we were really lucky to get Labyrinth because the people that had her couldn't, uh, couldn't cope with her, so I got her for four-fifths and nothing. And... Uh, the rest is history, really. Um, Labyrinth, Labyrinth, Labyrinth's interesting. She, so she's the dam of, uh, of of Shishkin, and she in, in, herself has got a fantastic pedigree because she's a, a half sister to to Hennessy and to and to Volley Lavadette, who pushed uh, who pushed Big Buck so close in the stairs hurdle. So it's 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 all there. So so when you say the other person couldn't cope with her and you got her, how did that all come about? 
oh, she was she was mental. <laughs> and Polygandra used to ride point to point for me at the time, um, and she was unbroken and couldn't we couldn't get to grips with her, and no could nor could anybody else. Polly said, "Oh, I'll do her." So Polly took her down to her place down in Devon and got her broken in and raced her and she won two or three point to points, three or four point to points, I think. And uh, Polly said, she's, she, you ought to breed from her because she's really good. Mm. And, she's got, uh, and she's got a hell of a pedigree. So you think that it, within Labyrinth, there was all this latent talent that we never really saw? I think that's true, yes. Yes. And, I mean, we, we've had several out of Labyrinth, and, and two of them have done really well. Shishkin, obviously, and uh, uh, a horse called Markle Ridge, which we point to point, and he's done really well for us. He's, he's won at Chelton twice, I think. And, and am I right in thinking that, that way back, obviously the breeding has been the last four decades, but way back before then, you grew up with, with Terry Biddlecombe, is that right? <laughs> You're sat opposite the daughter. His daughter's doing. sat right opposite me. Ah, so that's that must be Lucy, is it? Is it Lucy? Yeah, it's yeah. Lucy. Say hello. Hello. Hi, hi, Lucy. So, 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 so maybe you t- tell us the connection between your family and Clive then. So Clive, Clive's don't say whiskey. No, yeah, no. Clive's obviously <laughs> known my family for years and years, but I live um, obviously I live locally, so I only live for six, seven minutes up the road. So it just so happened that after I had my little girl, Sam Drink, um, Sam Dukes at the time, he was um, working here, and he was one of my best friends. So it just so happened that I came after having my little girl to work here with Clive, and I haven't left. He stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, and. And your and your your father Terry and he were almost contemporaries, were they? Or at least they knew each other when they were when they were really small. I had an uncle that farmed outside Gloucester, and he was into show jumping. And Lucy's grandfather, ah, you, uh, yeah, yeah, it goes that far back. back. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Tony and Terry Biddlecombe, they used to come when he schooled them on a Sunday morning. And they used to put me on my cousin's pony in the orchard, slap it across the backside, and that was it. <laughs> that was my riding lesson. That, and, and that's what that's what started it all off. And and then you got yeah. you got this absolute love for for pointer pointing. Yeah, that's right, and hunting. So. Uh, I've been hunting with the Labrie for years. Well, I don't now. I'm too old. But they, uh, we still support them, though, don't we? I'm on the hunt committee and all sorts. Um, Clive, tell me, tell me this. Just, just talking about the the dam of Shishkin, and you, you were being, uh, you know, quite realistic about what she was like temperamentally. Do you think that little bit of whatever he's got between his ears that makes him quite an interesting character is that all all coming from her? Do you do you see that little idiosyncrasy coming coming from her <laughs> and his brothers and sisters? That's what I think. That's what I think makes them good. They're they're, they're all the same. They're all, they're all very good. They're all straightforward enough at home, but you wouldn't want to put a novice wife on them. Put them that way. <laughs> Polly Gundry used to ride his mother point to pointing, and we always used to have set, send two people down the start with her. 
she would never come into the paddock straight wow. from the straight from the lorry park down to the start. It's incredible how it how it how it comes through the genes, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely incredible. And but, uh, I, I guess the other thing is just looking at the looking at his pedigree. He he should be staying this trip every bit of this trip and more. Were you ever surprised that he was so fast over two miles in the first place? Yes, I was. No, knowing what we've got, knowing the stayers that we've got at home, and even the ones that are progressing the six-year-olds now, they're not. They're always going to be stayers, as far as we're concerned. Mm. So he could he could go around as many circuits as you want on pedigree. Yeah, yeah. on pedigree he could. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Clive, how much and, and Lucy, I suppose both of you. I mean, how much pleasure is this as this whole adventure given you? Now, I know you you sold Shishkin as a foal, and not not badly for a foal, but you know, for for a fraction of what he was subsequently worth. What sort of what sort of kick has it given you? Oh, it's huge! Oh, you should watch the videos of me like watching Shishkin. That's a different story. Oh dear. No, it's immensely. I'm just like, we always say we're very privileged to be in this situation anyway. Like, I even say every day from working with Clive, it's a privilege to even be there. And knowing the young stock and the, what we've got in front of us now, even, we've got six foals on the floor, four, um, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, all up and coming. It's just that we're still immensely... I think the best is yet to come, to be honest with you. <laughs> Put it that way. I think that's a bit biased. No, but... <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's... No, I'll, I'll tell you the real story. My wife, who unfortunately is no longer with us, said to me one day, Clive, we've got too many horses. And I said, okay, we'll sell the next foal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, it's a bloody good thing we sold it because he'd be point to pointing still if I had it. <laughs> I'd, I'd say he'd have been a good thing in the open at Great Truth You, Clive, don't you? Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. Oh uh, dear. Well, it's oh, listen, yeah. it's been a pleasure to chat to you both. I'm, I've got I got a real bonus there, so lovely to chat to Lucy as well. And um, I, 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 I hope I hope your nerves can 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 take the gold cup. Well, I hope so too. And mine. <laughs> yes, they can. Well, Clive Bennett there with. Lucy Smith, uh, what a team and what enthusiasm for for Shishkin! And it told you so much about why Shishkin is how he is. Really warming interview that wasn't it? Um, yeah, the the stuff at the start, the 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 um, two people uh, going to the the start with labyrinth, uh, going straight from the lorry park to the start, all really fascinating stuff. And of course, um, as You've said it, it's in the blood so many times, and it's one of the really engaging and and wonderful things about horse racing that you see these quirks that that seem to uh, run through the generations, uh, like uh, a seaside resort's name through a, a stick of rock. Really interesting. Um, also, the, the the other thing about that is, and I know this is a a, a drum that you've banged for a little while that. It was what Shishkin did over two miles that was really remarkable and not the fact that he's been seemingly reinvented as a stayer. Um, you look at that pedigree, Hennessy, a half-sister to Labyrinth, who won the, the Bet365 Gold Cup 
uh, for Carl Llewellyn and, and AP McCoy in 2009. Voler Lavadette, as you mentioned, um, got closer than anybody else to big bucks when he completed his four-timer in the, the Stayers Hurdle at Cheltenham in 2012 and also had won the Christmas Hurdle at Leopardstown earlier in the season. It was a Grade 2 event back in those days, but, of course, it's a Grade 1 now. So, yeah, really interesting that. And I think lots of us believe that there is a role that Shishkin can play in the Cheltenham Gold Cup on March the 15th, and I really hope he does. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to that interview. Well, we do seem to have devoted a lot of attention to Shishkin lately, but I make no apologies when you hear uh, Clive Bennett. What about the time form perspective? It is Tuesday, so we get the time form perspective. And before the weekend, David Ord from The Sporting Life was talking about the squiggle and whether Shishkin would do enough to have the squiggle removed. Dan Barber, the man who decides these things, how forgiving have you been feeling of Shishkin? I'm afraid we're still being rather Ebenezer Scrooge-like, but there, there, there is context to it. You and I sat in that racing TV studio on Saturday, and as the race was unfolding, we were discussing that he, he does have this own way of going about things nowadays that didn't used to be the case when he was this flashy two-miler had inherited the mantle from Altior as the best horse in training. He is just a bit lazy nowadays. He's got this tendency to jump to his left, and obviously, we don't have to look too far in the rearview mirror to see that refusal at Ascot. I think it is still on the back burner. It may happen again. But for now, it's there almost because it has to be. But I think in our heart of hearts, we still view him as the most likely one to, to down the great Galapanda Champ. OK, let's talk about horses who have had a slightly quirky profile that have performed in the Gold Cup. And what level have they performed to, fellow squigglies? Yeah, this is a rogues gallery, frankly. Um, the one that amused me most was Contraband in about the seventh reincarnation of that horse when he'd, he'd been around the block. He didn't even have a form rating going into the race. To say he was a no-hope would be an understatement. Top of the shot prior to Shishkin was... That old favourite, I reckon you could get. Not not Nick Luck, Challenger to Luck, oh. with his one six six squiggle. His his party trick was to look like he was going to win by half the track and end up getting beaten by a neck or or shorter. That was that was his trick. And then good old Tidal Bay in second. The one who probably did best out of the the clutch of horses, and there's only nine of them who ran. Sorry, ten of them who ran in a. Gold Cup with a squiggle was on his own, who obviously made his presence felt until hanging left on the running in the renewal won by Lord Windermere. So there's some precedent there, but none of that group had the same level of ability of Sh- as Shishkin. And it's as I say, it's almost like a token gesture at this point, but the way he started racing does imply that there is some sort of quirk there nowadays that you just hope they can keep on top of. And, and they do indeed seem to be doing that. All right, should we talk about the champion hurdle? Because actually, some opposition seems to be developing to Constitution Hill. When we we, did, we were doing the sort of mercy call last week, weren't we, and manning the manning the ships because we thought this champion hurdle was going to be a match. And then Henderson decides to stick Lucia and First Street and Willie's talking about running Echoes in rain and then there's not so sleepy. So we could end up with we could end up with eight or something like that, I suppose. What's the pecking order minus Constitution Hill? Well, we discussed as well. It's almost like the, the six degrees of separation of racing chat at the moment does always come back to him so let's let's imagine god forbid he doesn't exist and we're going to do the without market effectively understandably this is british trained only let's take the statement out of the argument as well and 
not so sleepy. The 11-year-old is still in second place. But a couple of names I want to draw attention to that, I don't know if it's a plea on our part or not, Nick, but to say that horses like Silver Streak not long ago was placed in a champion hurdle at 80-1, to 1, probably copping about 25000 for connections. Zanny here was a huge price 12 months ago, and he got into the placings. Um, it's, it's a race that's had a bit of a history of big price ones bustling up a favourite or getting involved anyway. Think back to Theatre World and his many attempts to try and beat stable mate Isterbrack. Um, but a couple who have got no chance of going, but the likes of Kerry Lee's Nemean Lion, who, who has been floated around for a couple of these sort of trial races in recent weeks. Hansard of Gary Moores, who won the Jerry Fielden. Um, Lucia, who you've already mentioned, but the one who certainly piques my interest most of all as a horse we also witnessed on Saturday. Iberico Lord has made his way to a time form rating of 145. We don't think he's necessarily a champion hurdle horse yet, but it's certainly got the cogs turning, and I wondered if there might be a, a chance of a, the shunter mark two here. Could we get this horse up to Kelso for the Moor battle? And sporting owner, obviously, J.P. McMahon. I mean, and also for Nicky Henderson, there's a very there. The, the demon of Zaynar getting beaten at Kelso at ridiculously short odds many moons ago. Could he attempt that more battle Cheltenham double? Because if he doesn't do it this year, I think we will be talking about a champion hurdle candidate of next year. He may not have another chance because I think you and I both agree that that was the performance of a horse that won't be ending his career in a handicap. Yeah, he's got some fun to be had, no doubt, between now and the end of the season. Dan, thanks so much. Pleasure. That was the time form perspective. All right, well, it's Tuesday, so we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherbees. It's three years, would you believe it, since I checked into Arras de Cercy, one of the leading national hunt studs in France, managed by Philippe Thierrier, but has been run and headed up by André and Jacques Cipre for a long time now, and they've got some serious stallions. The five are Cocorico, Ivanhoe, Caractar, Prince Gibraltar, and Tunis. And when we last spoke, André, Cocorico was a horse you were telling me was going to make it. My goodness, he has. And another great success from Iberico Lord the other day. Iroko horse we've been talking about a lot and many, many more. Um, this is going really rather well. Yes, Kokoreko is very special to us. He's now 15 years old, but we call him the boss now because, uh, in fact, he's the first Italian that we bought uh, with Cersei Sturd in, 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 in 2013. It was the very first uh, before that, we had the National Stud Stallions that we ran it. And uh, then we wanted to fry on a horn. So we said, no, we, must, we need to buy something. Mm. So he was the first one uh, out of training. Uh, we bought him uh, at Mr. Gallerini's training center in Maison Lafitte. And uh, since we saw him in the, in the, in the, in the barn, we loved him. It, it's uh, really a very good-looking horse, very nice uh, and with a deep family, uh, you know, uh, Robin Deschamps, uh, Nikos, Gadudal, it's a strong sour of influences. And this female line was very nice as well. And uh, you all know in England, Béni de Dieu, which is the same, you know, family line. And uh, you can find also Cœur du Nord in, in his, uh, his uh, the, the two sisters, the two mothers uh, are sisters, Cœur du Nord's mother and Cocorico's mother are sisters. So, He's a very good sire as well. So uh, he's a special horse for us. And uh, we've only six uh, crops of racing age, which is not a lot. 
he uh, after 10 years here he is the first in france uh, yesterday um, last year he was crowned champion of france uh, so we were very proud of him and uh, this is why he has a very special place in our in our heart hmm. I, I can imagine i can imagine was he a difficult horse to get at the time was there a lot of competition or was he flying under the radar no, 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 no. Ten years ago, nobody wanted a, a, a jump horse as a stallion. Nobody. Uh, and, you know, he had only uh, raced a few times. He won, uh, beating very good horses. But uh, he had this injury and he couldn't race again. And uh, But nobody wanted really at that time. Uh, it, it, it is much more in fashion now. Now it's a strong competition, I bet you. Uh, but at the time, we were the only or maybe two stu- maybe two studs, but not, not more. Mm. So we, we did the deal very quickly. And uh, so now it's, it's another story. When it, you want a stallion, it's another story. It's interesting how things come in, in cyclical fashion, isn't it? I mean, you talk about your horse was a, was a jumper and nobody wanted to stand a jumper as a sire of jumpers. Yet now you've got Cocorico, Blue Brazil ran five times over hurdles. A horse like Great Pretender by King's Theatre, um, very good winning hurdler as well. It it seems to have really come come full circle. Yes, yeah, no, things have changed now, and uh, clearly uh, we are all looking for the same thing, and uh, it's a strong competition. And of course, we can't have only this profile in a in a stud, mm. but. Uh, as you know, uh, we we have here, for example, in, in our area, a big potential of mares. Uh, they have, you know, more and more of a jump. Of course, they have a jump ability, but they are also trained uh, now for uh, 100 years to compete on the on the best race courses. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and this, you know, matching are, are really working well. And uh, this is why we must uh, buy uh, a jump uh, jump stallions and also flat performers. But we must, you know, offer uh, a wide range of of uh, of choice. And uh, this is why we're trying to do in in CRC Stud. Yeah, and you're doing it very successfully. Karaktar is a horse that is bred by His His Highness the Aga Khan and has got a really interesting pedigree by High Chaparral. So you're getting the Sadler's Wells line in. Obviously, he never raced over jumps, but Ile Francais, frankly, if he never does anything else, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) No, not at all. No, no. And it's a uh, Karaktar was always a, a very smart horse, you know, very good locomotion. That's what is really uh, astonishing with him when we saw him, you know, first time when he came at CRC in the paddock. I, I ne- we never saw this kind of horse so, so, uh, so good mover. And I think he's passes on to his progeny, uh, really. And uh, so it was, you know, we, we, we bought him in, in, in uh, 16, 2016. So nobody wanted him at Arcana. We, we were, there was not a, a big war to have him. We had him, you know, quite easily. And uh, but after the people were just waiting. So luckily we have, as I told you, this potential of mares around. So he's been used, not as much as Kokoriko at the beginning, but he's been used. And and yes, he was he was bringing some class, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, Andre, do you you think that you can look at a stallion in a field um, cantering around and identify straight away whether they've got what it takes to make a national hunt stallion or not in terms of how they move? I wish I could. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it's it's the only uh, it's it's a, it's part of a choice, of course. But uh, it was like this, so we were very lucky. But uh, his pedigree was attractive, and uh, you know there were there were you know the, the, the team here were following him for a while. And uh, when we we knew that he was going, you know, to the sale, we said, okay, we are going. Uh, because, you know, Aisha Parral, King Best, Kayazi, uh, what else can, can you have? It's, it's one of the best. So uh, there was nothing against him. Nothing. Uh, and because, because of your family's experience with stallions, because you've, you've developed a reputation as knowing which ones are, are going to be good and you've, you've produced so many good ones, uh, you know, Network and Saddler Maker and Voix du Nord all stood at, at Cersei. Do people trust that, that you're going to get it right? Is that client base sufficiently loyal that they say, well, look, Andre, what have you got here? Please, please help me. You mean we have a good clients? Yes, mm. yes have a good clients but also it's a it's a what i i would say that it's a virtuous circle because we have good clients because we have good offers and because they are happy to be there and use our stallions so they are keeping their mares or fillies maybe we would sell it if there was a stud too far or that if there was no stud at all and because of this stud we are fixing a certain uh, you know, uh, breeding operation around here, which is more and more uh, increasing, in fact. And uh, this is why it is interesting, because the Cersei stud is helping breeders, but the breeders are also helping the Cersei stud. Mm. So everybody is working in good intelligency, and uh, but that is also the clue, I think. And, and you, you might have told me three years ago that Cocorico was going to be the next big thing, and he is. So now... Who is going to be the next big thing? Who's the next? Who's the next Cocorico? So I, I always, yes, I'm always talking about Tunis, our uh, you know Polish grey horse, mm-hmm. uh, who has enjoyed a very good year with his first crop uh, of three years old. He is well supported by the local breeders; they like him a lot, and uh, I think we will hear more and more about him in the near future because uh, he produces very sound horses with great mind. And uh, they are selling quite well. Uh, there is a few in England, I think, or in Ireland. And uh, I think Willie has got one. And uh, and the trainers, uh, the noises from the trainers are very, very well. So uh, very good. So we are very hopeful in him. So I think the next star could be him. All right. Thanks to all my guests today um, and David Yates in particular. Uh, David, you have got a tip for me. I have indeed. We go to Newcastle for the 7 o'clock race tonight. It's the top weight buzz box, dead heated over six furlongs here last month. Now goes into handicaps, and I hope that he can win this one outright. It is the 7 o'clock race at Newcastle. Selection number one, buzz box. David, thank you very much. That was Tuesday the 13th of February. Back again tomorrow. See you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you by Timeform, the trusted source of racing data and analysis, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the racing app in partnership with Fitstairs.